0: now broadcasting on star worldwide networks it's time for the fashion rewired broadcast with brian hill during the fashion rewired podcast we chat with successful fashion designers and business entrepreneurs who share their powerful stories of success while providing real-time industry tips tools and actionable strategies to execute today with the goal of designing our listeners brands for success now here's your host brian hill
1: Welcome to Fashion Rewired. I'm your host, Brian Hill, self-taught designer and executive director of Phoenix Fashion Week. So why is it important to rewire? Well, I believe that every successful fashion designer and entrepreneur at one time or another made the smart and necessary decision to rewire their brain, their attitude, but most importantly, their actions to get them to their current level of success. Each week I get to share stories of transformation with our listeners while giving you the blueprint to rewire i love to open each episode by thanking the sponsors that believe in fashion rewired the Phoenix fashion week freelance program while building Phoenix fashion week into an effective fashion industry resource. We have been asked time and time again to recommend the services of our teammates and associates. So the natural next step has been to organize a system and network of fashion professionals that we could vouch for in the marketplace. The Phoenix fashion week freelance program is open to anyone needing fashion design, hairstyling, sales, representation, photography, Graphic design, web design, marketing, social media, styling, makeup artists, accessory design, videography, modeling, PR, event planning, and consulting. For more information, please email freelance at PhoenixFashionWeek.com. Today, super excited for my next guest. He hails all the way from New York City by way of Charleston, South Carolina, where he earned his Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Fashion and Retail Management from the Art Institutes and was an early teammate of their Regional Fashion Week. Today, L.A. Carlisle is now an executive with the Council of Fashion Designers of America, the CFDA, you guys, as well as a branding and creative consultant, empowerment speaker, life coach, marketplace ministry leader, philanthropist, and accomplished author. I know this because I have his newest book. His work spans the fashion, business, lifestyle, and entertainment sectors, serving as an industry expert to A-list brands and multimillionaire personalities. Oh, And did I mention he worked directly with the original New York Fashion Week executive director, Fern Malice. Whoa, Elliot, that's a lot, sir. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Uh, I'm very humbled. It, uh, every time I hear my bio read or I have to sit through it, it's such a humbling uh, moment for me. And I'm always like, who is this they're talking about? <laughs> but, it's um, you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very grateful um, that I've had the opportunities that I've had, and I'm really looking forward to whatever else uh, my life uh, will hold. And I always uh, want to continue being an example and, and a source of inspiration and empowerment for people through the technology of fashion and so i'm excited to be here to talk with you today and thank you for having me on fashion rewired
1: oh man what a strong opening we can probably quit the podcast off of that opening he just <laughs> said right we're done Every, oh. everyone's <laughs> listening just go with that um with you being in the fashion industry we always have to open with give me one fashion fact about elliot carlisle
0: a uh, fun thing about me actually is that when I was in grade school, um all the way from elementary school to high school, I was voted best dressed boy. So I think that fashion has always been somewhere uh connected to me even though I at that time I had no interest in a career in fashion. It was music for me, but uh it's interesting that I've been connected in that way. I guess through personal style because I always have like dressing, but I never ever thought I would work in the fashion
1: industry. <laughs> <laughs> Best dressed <laughs> longest running record from grade school to high school. Um I, I haven't heard that yet. I don't think that can be beat. Man, so tell us what drives you today after going from music, which might be your rewire to fashion, but what drives you today? People. Uh I love working with people,
0: uh, but I think that uh to make that a little bit more uh direct, I would say I would have to really say that I like working with creative people and fashion is one of the industries. There's so many facets to fashion outside of design. I know when many people think of uh, the fashion industry or career in fashion, they think of fashion design, but I just love that I get to work every day with creative people. Uh, It's something different to be in a creative space. Uh, And I believe that creativity is the highest expression of freedom. And uh, it's just a different conversation. It's a different movement and a different engagement and, And people have always been, um, I'm a people person, and I do know that I believe my life purpose um, is to help people uh, amplify their volume, to help them turn up the volume in life and business. And it's just uh, very significant to me that I get to do that uh, in the fashion industry with a bunch of creative people every day. And it's something that I'm very uh, humbled by and, and grateful for, and I don't take it lightly.
1: Oh, man. The very first time you and I met, we connected, um, you know, over the phone. First of all, it was digitally, but then over the phone. Remember how long we talked that first time? and We had so many uh, alignments in our careers, um, but it was like, you know, old bros, right? Uh, just picking up from where we yeah. left off, but we'd never started before. And every single time we talk, it's you and I, we go a, a long time about, you know, we went down a clubhouse funnel the other day. We talked yeah. about the West Coast beauty, empowerment, and all I was calling and see is, uh, hey, could you make the podcast next week, <laughs> you know? Uh, but that says a lot about you being uh, excited to work with creatives, and uh, we're honored to have you on today. So, Thank you, Yeah, yeah. So when we talked about you being back in, in South Carolina um, and working with Charleston Fashion Week, you're getting your degree in music at the time. Um, I I don't know if that's your rewire, but I'd like to take everybody back to when did you rewire? Take us back to that time, Elliot, and explain what happened and and why it happened.
0: Well, I believe that that was the first rewiring. You know, we have many rewirings in life uh, for those who are listening, but I I would say that my first one, and, and once you have your first one, you will always draw from it. When you get to that place again in life, is it's like uh, when you don't know what to do or how to start, you'll you'll draw this strength or this inspiration from the very first one. Uh, and I believe that my first one was when I decided to leave uh, my interest and my passion and my pursuit uh, as far as music and to pursue something that I had no connectivity to, which was fashion, of course. I grew up, I started to play piano at uh, age four, and um, I was just in music all of my life. I was in show groups, and and I sang in church, and I directed the choir, and I played in in church, and I was in the jazz band, and I uh, in in I went to a full music scholarship uh, 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 educational uh, path in Florida, actually at the Northwest Florida. Uh, State College, and I uh, was very involved with the magical singers, and I was in the symphony group, and I was in the concert choir, and I was in the show choir, and I was with the jazz groups, and so it literally was my life. I would eat, sleep, and breathe music, and then my second year in my program, I decided that I no longer wanted to do music as a career. It just didn't fuel me uh, anymore, and I didn't get the same thing uh, from it that everyone else got when they saw me perform, and so so i wasn't sure what i was going to do and it was the the days of my space and i just was exploring i was just open to some things mm-hmm. and i think the, mm-hmm. the- can think at that time, Brian. Is that prior to I never considered anything else. When I graduated high school, it was automatic. There was no, there was no thought of anything else outside of music because it was all that I had ever done. However, when it came to this particular moment in my life, when I when I realized there was just this disconnect, I wasn't getting the the energy and the fueling that I was getting before. Um, I realized that there were other things that I had desired to do. Uh, just in business, there was a, a different way that I had seen myself as far as my future. And I knew that I wanted to be in business in some way, but I just didn't know which route was going to take me there. And so uh, this was in the days of my space. And I had made all these connections with people in fashion. I don't know how that happened, but I had made all these connections with people in fashion. And I started to see where people started posting about fashion week coming up. And mm-hmm. so my parents had me the summer to take off uh from my scholarship and, and make a decision before I actually quit. And uh, my dad said if you figure out what you wanna do before the uh summer is over then you can you can quit. If not then you're gonna go back to school <laughs> and so I said, okay, so I, I took the summer to, you know, just figure it out, and, and, and I was really, really drawn to fashion, and I just allowed myself um, to explore where my passion would take me, and so I planned to come to New York Fashion Week. I bought a ticket and just came. Of course, it was September, and I did not know how fashion worked at all, and I thought Fashion Week itself was like a Broadway show. You you buy a <laughs> ticket, and you go to the show that you want to go to, and I had no clue that that was not the case, and but I did, you know. Hang outside the tents, and I had uh, I had sense enough to talk to people. I've always been a talker. I've always, you know, been a conversationalist, and so I made conversation with some people who were uh, publicists, and, and just asked them, "How do I get inside?" And they said, "Well, you know, you probably should volunteer. That's the best way. Uh, that's how I and the girl who I was talking to, she said that's how she got started." And I said, "Oh, I, that that makes sense." I said, "Well, where where do I sign up?" And she said, "Well, all of the the uh, staff has been, you know, selected for this season." And you'll have to come back next season. And I was like, Oh man, I don't, I don't have to wait a whole nother year. And she said, No, it happens every six months. Uh, you know, <laughs> week, season. I said, Oh, I didn't know that. So I did. I went back home. Of course, I, you know, still hung out and I didn't meet a few people and all of that. But I came back next season, applied for a volunteer uh, position. I was accepted. And in my first week working on set, they ended up uh, hiring me as a production captain. They had to fire someone. I had event planning experience because of the job that I was working uh, back home and they they actually hired me and they trained me and taught me the business and at this time Fashion Week had moved to Lincoln Center and so I was producing uh, the shows there and working with the staff and that's how I got to experience the behind the scenes of fashion which, which when you do that you're able to see all of the movement of mm-hmm. the fashion industry especially with the show you see the choreographers you see the casting directors you see the PR people you see the lighting directors you see I mean there's so many moving parts to a production, as you know, uh, Brian, and that was the first time that I had been exposed to any of that. And so I really, really was in a place to see so much so much move uh, that I got to decide, well, which one of these do I want to be connected to? Because I know I don't want to design. Uh, I know I don't want to model. I know I don't want to be a photographer. Like I knew everything that I did not want to do, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. But the thing that struck me the most was the PR people, the way that publicists move. And I really, really um, felt that this was something that I could do because back home working with the event planning company, that's they were doing what I was doing. We just didn't call it PR because we had no PR department. So whatever mm-hmm. event you worked, you did the marketing, the the PR, you did the planning. I mean, you did all of that. So I said, I'm I'm really good at this. I can do this already. And so that's the career path that I chose.
1: Wow. So there's so much to unpack. I'm going to try going in in in, uh, in order. <laughs> Um you know when you and I talked uh, I think you've had multiple rewires. Um the mm-hmm. listeners today are going to get a bonus cuz we're going to go through a couple of rewires of yours but I've mm-hmm. already got your first rewire kind of laid out in action steps, right? So when okay. you <laughs> decided to go from your first love of music to a new love of fashion, what you did mm-hmm. step 1 was you explored and you were open to possibilities. Uh number 2, yeah. you networked on MySpace, that's right, MySpace and connected with yeah. people. And then three, you volunteered, which I think is super important, and you put yourself in the marketplace. Yeah. That's what you did oh, to make that step. That, that, that's why wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, now, what's crazy is because you just did that, I think you've done something I have not even done with myself. I tell my story all the time, but I've never broken it down the way that you just did. And that foundation, going back to what I said, you'll you'll always pull from your first rewire. Mm-hmm. I can follow that pattern through through so much of my life. Oh, there's no um, question. And so- Yes, and so many movements that I've made, that that same pattern, I cannot tell you, and I mean, we could get into it, how many times I volunteered that has led me into something else, how many times that I've had to just be open to possibility, and I think that 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 is the place that many people um, fear, but it's such a a place of opportunity when you position yourself that way, because sometimes you don't know what's for you until you just show up for it, and I think that that is something that just being a person of faith, um, that is something that I really do hold on to um, because I don't always have to know. I don't always have to know. And I'm, I'm okay being in the seat of, I don't know so that what, what I can learn will then show up.
1: Right. Well, I think what happens when I talk to all these different guests, they do figure out a pattern that they started at an early age and they, and they mm-hmm. do pieces of their pattern. And as they get older, they start to put all those pieces together. And then they do get a formula. And then it seems to yeah. me that when they rewire, it's because they're pulling from all those uh, successful parts of their life to make this yeah. new, new Elliot, right? So I know for a fact you always are open to possibilities. That's how you and I met. I know for a fact that yeah. you're always uh, networking, connecting. You just connected me with someone, two amazing uh, women um, in L.A. you know, yesterday. And then volunteering... Yeah. I did the exact same thing at Phoenix Fashion Week. I was a volunteer, just gave my blood, sweat, and tears. But in reality, I was like you, I just wanted to learn as well. And then some of my skills uh, became valuable. And when we get to your next part of your Rewired, everyone's gonna hear how your skills continue to be spotlighted. And uh, so, so funny, I mean, from from carrying trash, which you gotta bring up, uh, to working with maybe the top Fashion Week person in the world, right? Trash to top. That's, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, <laughs> But, but then also what I also like to hear is you liked that behind the scenes part, right? So, uh, my operations director, uh, shout out to Brenna. She always is proud to say how she is back of house, back of house, because yeah. it, it clearly is a different kind of person and personality. And when you figure out what you want to do in fashion, that's good. You like back of house. She like back of house. Some people, like you said, like to be in the front. They want to design but as soon as you can figure that out then you can double down and go hard in that different area
0: you know it's interesting Brian you you said so much in that and and I really want to amplify this back of house piece when i when i started you have to remember this was the the days of my space twitter was Twitter was around. I think it was just kind of coming around. Facebook was going through uh, their phase. that They had recently just uh, opened up uh, to the, the public outside of colleges and universities because you remember when Facebook first started, you had to be uh, at, a, at a college or university um, in order to sign up and be a part of Facebook. And so all of this social media movement was going on. But the industry was the industry and people were working and, there, and fashion was very exclusive at that time. You didn't have this open access to fashion that social media has given us now and so uh, people really were passionate about you know the behind the scenes work I believe that that has shifted now that we see so much of fashion and people you know there's personalities and designers are celebrities and uh, you know different different uh, creatives in fashion can be celebrities with their career or influencers with their career none of that was around at this time and so you know when we were coming along and when we were doing this work at this time it really was about the work and so you could you were really really passionate about being behind the scenes and and you would do it and, and you could be a celebrity behind the scenes you know you were an industry celebrity you were industry you know gatekeeper you were uh, somebody in the industry the masses didn't have to know it but you know you were the go-to person I think that that's that's now that people see this access and now that we have this particular visibility now people want to be recognized in a greater way by a greater community and and that's that's fine if that's for the for you that's for you but that just wasn't where we were at that time and so I think that you know for some of us who who are older and have been doing this a little bit longer um you know we still carry that same fire you know and i'm I'm still that way uh to this day
1: right man uh again i keep saying uh my producer robin that we should just stop the podcast because we've got so much already we're, we're good we're right. good but we're gonna keep on plugging because we're only at rewire number one um i don't know how you're gonna pick your next rewire Um, do do you want to tell me what was your next major rewire? I think I know what it is. Uh, it might've happened, you know, in this last year, but you tell me about the second rewire that changed Elliot Carlisle. Well, I really want to deal with with Charleston,
0: uh, you know, and being from Florida and moving to um, Charleston in in 2012, this was when I decided to actually go back. Because remember, I I built my career as a college dropout. I did not have a a college degree. Uh, I did not have a degree in fashion when I started in fashion, and I built a PR firm. I worked in PR for many years, and that's Mm -hmm. how I built Brand and, and I became known. That was the the foundation of of the Elliot Carlisle brand in fashion. But then when I uh, got to a certain point, I realized, I I really need to get that piece of paper. You know that piece of paper <laughs> that you don't you don't know where it is anymore. That you work so hard and pay for. <laughs> I, I, that piece of paper, and so I decided to go back to school and to get my degree in, in uh, fashion marketing and retail management, and I did choose the Art Institute of Charleston to go to, and interestingly, at the time that I moved to Charleston, and even though I had been doing what I was doing with Fashion Week, and I worked with a number of regional Fashion Weeks at the time, too, I had no clue that Charleston, South Carolina, had a Fashion Week. I was <laughs> Um a matter of fact, when someone told me, I think when I went to my orientation at the school, uh, they mentioned that they're involved with uh, the fashion program there is involved with Charleston Fashion Week and the Art Institute was a sponsor. And I laughed and I said, oh, really? And so she said, oh, yes, it's, a, it's a, the admissions director was like, you should you should come back and check it out. So I think I went to my um I think my orientation was somewhere in the fall of 2011, and so Fashion Week was taking place um, in the in the spring. No, I, no, it was in the fall of 2012. That's when I moved, and so uh, that's when I had my orientation. So Fashion Week, September 2013. Mm-hmm. I mean March 20. 20- is when I uh, decided to go and check it out for the first time. And and I said, I'm going to volunteer because they had volunteer uh, positions open. And it was funny because, it, of course, you know, my program director and even in my professors, they all knew who I was and knew that I had this <laughs> brand. New York Fashion Week. And so they were like, well, we know you probably don't want to volunteer because that's a little bit beneath you. And I said, no, volunteering is how I got started. I said, so, and I don't, I've never been here. I would love to check it out and work behind the scenes and, and see how it moves. And so I did. And my, what I was stuck doing was taking out the trash. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and that was so funny. I remember I, Ioka Lucas at the time, who who is uh, the founder of, of Charleston Fashion Week, really, or the creator. She was the style editor for Charleston Magazine, and she knew me, and uh, we were backstage, and she saw me standing there at the door and, and doing the trash. And she said, why are you back here? <laughs> and I said, uh, because I'm volunteering. And she said, but what are you doing? I said, well, I'm taking out the trash right now. And she said, and you're you're doing this did you not tell them who who you were and i said well it it doesn't matter and she said Oh wow, she said, you know, that that says a lot about you. And I said, Well, you know, the trash has to be taken out. I have a background in event planning and trust me, if the trash is not taken out, you don't have nobody doing this, it really, really dampens the <laughs> event experience. And so you know laugh about it. But I really enjoyed being backstage and you know, backstage when you go to regional fashion weeks, it's a whole different movement from New York Fashion Week, which you know, that backstage is way more chaotic. But Fashion Week for me backstage at Regional Fashion Weeks is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And we really did have Lot of fun, but I was so blown away and impressed by the production of what Charleston was doing, and that's what I did my first my first uh, year volunteering, and then the next the next season. Uh, by this time, of course, you know I I had built a little bit more awareness or there was more awareness about me in the city and then uh, I was asked by the production team to he- to come on board and work with them and help them and so I did the next year I was actually ended up, I ended up working with uh, Fern Malice of course who's the creator of New York Fashion Week and I knew her from New York of course but we had not worked together in any way and she was coming to Charleston to be a part of uh, as a consultant and also to be a part of Charleston Fashion Week as a, as a guest and a judge and uh, do mentoring and they needed somebody to assist her while she was there. And they asked if I would, wouldn't mind doing that. And we, and I did, and we formed a very, very, uh, uh, close relationship. And matter of fact, I worked with her for the next, uh, however many years I was in Charleston, but every time she came back to Charleston, she requested that we work together and, um, and then, of course, in 2017, uh, she requested that I move to New York and help her. And, and I did. Uh, of course, I had graduated in 2015, but was still in touch with her. But that's how that relationship formed, because I volunteered uh, yet again, the same thing that I did <laughs> with New York Fashion Week.
1: Right. Except that you're not working with the creator of New York Fashion Week. After taking yeah. out the trash at Charleston Fashion Week, mm-hmm. being open and being humble, but being that same person, the same person that your parents raised, right? Mm-hmm. And and just being mm-hmm. open to it and uh, nothing's beneath you. And like you said, you've done uh, all kinds of countless things, but you're still getting in the grain of fashion and uh, giving yourself yeah. um, first what was commendable. And then you go to work with uh, maybe, arguably the person that changed <laughs> the face of fashion as a business is Fern Malice. Yeah,
0: yeah absolutely. And, and, you know, we had, there was so much, so much around that is really interesting for me because it was a, it was full circle to even just be. I will never forget the first time that uh, when she got there and I. I went to, went to the airport uh, with the driver to pick her up, and I'm sitting in the car, and just the surreal moment that it was for me, of course, having met her, you know, in New York and spoken to her, but this was a, a moment to have a real intimate uh, conversation and just be in her intimate space for the week, and it was interesting to me because I, I sat there and said, what a full circle moment, you know, Fashion Week was my entire uh gateway into the fashion industry. It was it was my entry point. Uh but it would not have been had this woman not created this this platform or created this event uh that has now uh been such a catalyst for fashion weeks around the world because many people don't know she would she didn't just do uh New York Fashion Week. She did Fashion Week in Australia and Mumbai, India and um, uh, swim week in Miami. And I mean, I can't even tell you the list goes on and on. Uh, when she was at IMG as the, uh, senior vice president of IMG fashion properties, the different fashion weeks that were instituted, uh, through her leadership. And so it was a massive, massive, uh, moment for me just to be, just to be in this space and realizing that I've come a full circle moment like this at this place in my career or, or my pursuit or even my age at the time, I, I, I really was honored and blessed to have that opportunity. But interestingly, I knew that it still wasn't my final destination. So I'm like, if I'm Mm -hmm. having this experience and where am I going
1: from here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, your steps exploring and being Mm -hmm. open to possibilities, networking, Mm -hmm. connecting, Right, And then in huh. your early rewire, you volunteered. Um, what do you uh-huh. think your third step was once you got to New York and you, you're, you're working with Firm Malice, but obviously you now are your own independent you know, juggernaut. Tell me about uh-huh. the, the new third step for Elliot Carlisle. There's a new third step. What is that? Well that
0: was during the pandemic and you know, I teach you know, as a as a life and executive coach, one thing that I teach is that what you label a thing is what it will be to you. And of course when the pandemic hit in uh March of last year, it was a time of major, major unrest for everyone. I mean it was it was it was emotional, um, it was psychological, um, you know, it was even physical for some people and so for me uh, I realized there's not much I know about this moment um, there's not much that anyone knows about this moment, it's a suddenly and so we're all just having to to await and see but one thing that I, I know about myself is that when all of this kind of crazy movement is going on, the best response is to be still and so what I did uh, at the beginning of the pandemic was just do nothing. I I actually stayed in bed and just slept and and got a lot of rest because uh, I was really tired and I I thought we were going back to the office and we weren't, and so I just rested. And, of course, I did uh, take care of some things and and do some work, but I really took it as a time to rest. And then after I realized, uh, Brian, that we're we're going to be here for a while, uh, of course I started thinking about uh, the future like everyone else did, not necessarily worried about the future, but just thinking about the future. What was this new world going to look like at this time the buzzwords were you know reinvent and pivot um, um and and everyone was starting to rebrand and do all of those things and so there were some things that i had uh, had on the back burner for myself because my my life was so so busy uh working here in new york and uh you know fern's fern's office has a lot of different moving parts which i was on top of everything and so um that now that things has slowed down i got a chance to include myself uh in my movement a little more and so i I took the time to finish. I had been working on a rebrand for myself uh, for about a year and a half, and it just wasn't wasn't able to c- complete it or launch it because there were so many parts that I hadn't finalized. And so I, I worked on myself. Mm. I did that. Mm. Um, and Yeah, and, I, I, you know, every day I work on other people, I worked with other people, and I really just hadn't given any time to myself because I felt that I didn't have time for myself. And what I did realize is I have the time that I've been asking for. I have the time that I've been praying for. You know, you make those statements, oh, if I just had more time, I would do this. Well, guess what? I had the time now, so I had to put in the work, and I worked on me. And in doing that work, I just realized you know what? The fashion world is not going to be the same. The industry is shifting. Um, you know, everything around me is shifting. What is the shift that I need to make? If everything around me is shifting, then what shift am I going to allow to happen with myself or internally? And the one thing that I did know was, um, although I loved my relationship with Fern and I loved, um, you know, what I did with her, I really did. It, it wasn't, it wasn't my final destination, and I knew that that in terms of what I was doing with her, that I had come to a place of fulfillment uh for me. And I I felt that it was time, you know, while we're in the midst of all of this shifting anyway, I may as well go ahead and take the leap of faith uh, to position myself for what is next. Now, I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm going to do what I've done in the past, and I'm going to take that leap. And so I'm going to let go of what was so that I can position myself for what will be. And I quit. Wow. Um, July 1st of this, of, of the, in the middle of a pandemic, not knowing what, <laughs> where the income, was or any of that. But again, I've been here before. So right. it's okay.
1: Right. And I quit. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that, that third step, um, uh, again, I like to really, really listen and, um, doing a, doing a pandemic, your third step was you worked on yourself, uh, to truly analyze your value. It sounds like yeah. to me, right. And there was nothing wrong with anything you were doing before that with Fern, etc. You just simply analyzed yourself, right? Which you hadn't done yeah. for a long time because you've been analyzing and working with so many other people and giving, giving, giving. And the pandemic yeah. gave you some time to like to, to rest. But then once you figure out your true value, oh man, uh, like I said, juggernaut yeah. now. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really. It really um, is interesting because you know, especially when you are a, a person who serves, um, you know, when you are a, a servant leader. That's really that's really what I I do. Um, you know, I I'm a voice to voices. Uh, you know, I help people with their dreams, visions, goals, all of that. Uh, and and I do. There's a fulfillment that comes from that because I do truly believe it is my divine purpose. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you only get to keep what you give away, and so I do know that I had given away so much um, I, w- I was looking at this time okay well what what is left for me and then or what have I actually taken time to receive for myself and one thing that had uh, been coming back to me so in so many different ways even through conversations even through things with with other people is oh you should do this with this or you should do that with that or you know you're good at this you should position yourself for this and I just did not take the time and my response to everyone was always oh when I get time I'll look at that oh when I get time I'll think about that oh when I get time I don't have time right now. I kept saying that. And so it just was loudly evident that you now have the time. What are you going to do? And so my response was, you know, to work on me. And as I said, what you label a thing is what is what it will be to you. And for me, I was not going to allow my narrative uh, to be that this was a crisis. I know that's what the media was saying, and that's what many people were going with. But the media does not decide the trajectory of my life I get to. And so I said that this is going to be a time of opportunity. In the midst of the upset, there's always opportunity. And because of the position that I have in the industry, I was seeing many people take advantage of opportunities in the the pandemic. And they were people who were prepared and they were people who had done the work um, with themselves. And so I said, if I'm going to engage in the opportunity, then I've got to be
1: prepared and I've got to do the work. And so I said, it's going to start with me. Wow. I love it. I love it. Again, so much to unpack, but at the end of the day, um, smart business people always um, are prepared. A, um, when people yeah. say, you know, you're lucky. No, you're just taking advantage of a good opportunity and you're just prepared. That's what yeah. real luck is. And so when you yeah. saw that, and uh, I feel the same way, I, I think it's been a blessing, uh, the pandemic, the way I approached it, me personally, very blessed. I'm a very lucky person as well, but uh, I took it as time to really, really go down your exact same steps, right? To really look at the true value of what I was bringing to the table on a daily basis. And what do you really want to do? And what did I really want to do? And it was like you said, I really want to work with creatives, uh, designers, people like yourself. And that's what I've been doing. I wake up every day and I literally get to do this right now. I'm making myself better by listening to what you've already done. I'm going to apply it today. I'm going to share it with some other designers later and I'm just going to keep expanding and literally it's a privilege to be here
0: yes absolutely i mean that is that is the thing and i love being in a space where You just know everything that comes by me is not necessarily for me, but the one thing that you said earlier, even just about the, uh, the podcast or the online show opportunity I connected you with, those are moments that also fuel me. Like those are things, those are things that really trigger my value system because I really do take pride in being a conduit, you know, and not necessarily uh, a celebrated conduit, but just being a conduit. And what I mean by a celebrated conduit, there's people who are connectors, uh, but they want to be celebrated. Celebrated or recognized for being the one who did this or the one who did that or I made this happen. I don't really care about any of that. My thing is, I just I celebrate that the connection happened. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things, and you you understand this and what you do. There's a lot of things that I'm a part of that I can never post on social media or share. There's a lot of connections that I made that it would look really, really just off for me um, to to make some particular announcement that I did this or I did that. It's not about that for me. It's not about uh, uh, the showcase. It's just about the effectiveness and it's about uh, the assignment. And so I really um, am excited to be in the position that I'm in and I, I love the fact that um, I'm able to just be in a place where if I know that you have a piece and and I know that this other ha- person has a piece that I can put put you both together and help make the whole. Mm-hmm. And that is That is what I really look forward to um, every day. And I'm always uh, watching for opportunities
1: to make the connection for people. Right, right. And so we we also know, Elliot, that when you figure out these action steps that you now know you naturally take in pretty much all your endeavors now, right? Then we go Mm -hmm. into the pandemic and you now um, are analyzing yourself and also creating the true value of what Elliot Carlisle can bring to the world Tell me some habits that you now know that you've seen in the pandemic that you developed because of your actions.
0: One of the things is really giving myself time for me, and that's something that I just did not do, and those who are in my immediate circle can can say that was one of their their greatest frustrations with me, is that I was always available for everyone else, but not available for myself. One of the things that I love now about even in this work-from-home environment is that I really do get to put together my own schedule, and I get to make sure that I include uh, time for me. It is necessary, and that's just time for my being, and it's whatever. It's whether I want to go for a walk or it's whether I want to sit and watch a show on Netflix or a movie and it doesn't have to be an entire day people talk about self-care days uh, realistically with the with the time that I have uh, you know I don't I can't necessarily afford always to take an entire day uh, <laughs> but when I need one but at the same time I don't need you know as far as what I'm doing I don't necessarily need an entire day but you know there are moments and there are times that I do get to uh, allow myself to have that the other thing that I do for myself uh, Brian is when I I get sleepy, I go to sleep, I don't fight (laughs) sleep. I am one who takes naps I take naps during the day I will take naps during uh, but you know between the conference calls or between zooms even if it's just 20 or 30 minutes i I've, I've really mastered power naps um, but i I really do allow myself to pay attention to what I need and I'm telling you that sounds very simple but you know that it is easy uh, doing what you do and when you're a person that works for people especially if you're you're uh, empathetic if you're an empath uh, it's easy to give so much of yourself away and, and And once you start doing that, you develop a habit of ignoring what you need and putting yourself on the back burner because we almost have this uh, superhero complex like, oh, I can do it. I can. I have enough. I have enough. I have enough. Um, But really, at some point, you know, you do catch up with yourself and realize that you don't have enough. And then, you know, we we crash and and that crash, you know, happens for everyone in different ways. And I've had moments like that in the past, you know, three, three and a half years of my life, so many crashing uh, moments that I'm I'm very glad I was able to. To survive, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, if I can set myself up in a more healthy way, then I don't have to crash. And I think that one of the loudest messages during the uh, pandemic for everyone, uh, no matter what industry you're in or what you do, is uh, is health, right? Uh, it, it, you know, making sure that that you are paying attention to your health and making sure that you are taking care of yourself and that you are protecting yourself in the way that you need to and protecting others in that way. And so, um, you know, I I don't just want to be successful. I also want to be healthy so that I can enjoy what success is for me. And that's, that's something that um, the pandemic has really, really allowed me to own. Um, and I'm very glad about that in the midst of all that has gone on, um, that I can say that I'm very healthy, um, even in the way that I'm working. And I cannot honestly say that, uh, in the, uh, that that's the
1: place that I work from in the past few years. Right, right, right. Um, that is powerful. Can you, in this short amount of time, I know you don't like to name drop, but, or maybe you could mm-hmm. just talk about it, but I do want you to name drop actually. Uh, mm-hmm. you, your biggest accomplishment since your second rewire because of the habits and actions, what would that be?
0: Um, I will say now working with uh, the Council of Fashion Designers of America is <laughs> um, one of those things um, where when you when you start to experience you know success in a career in terms of elevation you know in an industry uh, you you know there are certain tiers and you know you get to certain levels and then when you're when you're done or when you're at a place of a a rewire you're like okay well what's next you know where do I go from here what what is the next thing to do and honestly uh, I really was thinking about that at the time when I when I, I said well what's well, where could I go from here? <laughs> you know, and it was really just an uh, open thought. And I started looking at the industry as a whole, and there were many things that I looked at, and I said, oh, well, maybe I could do that, or maybe I could do this. And it wasn't even that I was looking to do the next big thing. I was just wondering, but where do you go from here? Uh, but to just be in a conversation, I mean, literally, this is how this happened. I was just in a conversation uh with with Stephen Cole, who is the CEO of of the CFDA, and, and he asked, you know, you, what are you going to do? And I was honest with him and said, I do not know. And he said, Well, honestly, we could use your help. And that is how that opportunity uh, came about just by being available. And literally, I was okay with being in the space of I don't know but the awesome thing about it is while you are doing the work there are people who are paying attention to you that you don't even know are paying attention to you and they're paying attention to you and and the work that you do in ways that you couldn't even imagine and I I would have never thought that uh, I was being watched (laughs) the way that I was but I was and so he saw the value that was in my voice and the value that was in the work that I did and he said we we could use you and so I was very very humbled just as how that trajectory, um, you know, started and even where it is today. But the work uh, that I am, I am happy about doing with CFDA is also creating opportunities and creating change uh, that will affect the industry as a whole. And even considering um, the work that uh, we're doing there in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, creating opportunity uh, for uh, BIPOC uh, uh, fashion creatives that that have been marginalized and have been underrepresented. But uh, to be a voice in that as well because again as I said at the beginning everything that I do is about people and so I love the fact that even though I'm I'm working with this organization I'm still able to work from the place of my purpose and my passion and it's very very humbling Brian it's very very humbling honestly
1: wow wow I mean uh, to join the CFDA uh, the pinnacle of fashion design in the world Um, all coming from volunteering, all coming from rewires, uh, trusting your gut, analyzing and giving more than you you want from other people. Um, We're only on the first half of the podcast, Elliot, uh, believe it or not. But I'm going to take you into what we like to call the garment district, rapid fire questions about you and your life and your business after we thank our sponsors. Hang on. Fact, each season, Phoenix Fashion Week turns away hundreds of emerging fashion designers that apply for the live designer boot camp. This year, we created the six-week-long Digital Designer Bootcamp, for emerging fashion talent from around the world and from the comfort of their own home via mobile, laptop, or desktop will follow a structured curriculum online focused on the very important business side of their fashion brands. In a short six weeks, the fashion experts will teach, transform, and lay out the blueprint to build and run a successful fashion brand for 2021 and beyond. To apply, email digital at phoenixfashionweek.com. All right, we're back. Fashion Rewired, the podcast with Brian Hill. My guest today, all the way from New York City, Elliot Carlisle is here, you guys. He has been literally dropping um, so many nuggets of information all day long, Um, but we're going to get even deeper, right? We're going to talk about all the success that Elliot's had, but we're going to now go granular and find out what he uses on a daily basis to accomplish his uh, success and how you can apply to your brand today. So, Elliot, you the brand, because we now know that you rewired and you now are your own brand. Um, do you think that you will be a wholesale brand, which means you are talking to corporations, distributors, et cetera, or are you a retail brand where you're dealing one-to-one with people? Which one would it be for Elliot Carlisle?
0: Oh, my goodness. You know <laughs> really tripping about that because I really, I would say when I started, I was more of retail, but I, there's been a transition to now I would be wholesale, Uh, but Mm -hmm. I still love, I have opportunities to do the retail, but that is something that is very interesting about the trajectory of my career, Brian. And I've just been saying in the past few months that looking at how the shift has happened for me, that I am now uh, speaking, you know, as a wholesale Mm -hmm. um, operation that is really, uh, that's different because honestly, that's not where I started and that's not the movement that I had, uh, that I had been engaging in, you know, when I, for the last, I would say maybe for 10 years. Um, but, but there has been a shift in that uh, and I do embrace
1: it. Wow. So now you got like these, um, couple little jokes. I just came up with uh, wholesale Elliot right? So Elliot in bulk (laughs) now, (laughs) or Elliot at scale. (laughs) OK, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing now. So that's excellent. So um, when you when you're talking about being a wholesale play, you are working with corporations and um, and again, large groups in general. Um, what is the number one sales platform you feel, Elliot, that helps you to succeed and bring in revenue for the Elliot Carlisle brand?
0: Honestly, I would have to say Instagram and, and, and I will tell you uh, this is such an interesting question uh, because I many of the opportunities that I have to engage with companies now uh, it comes from something that I posted on Instagram I that's why I said there's the audience that's watching you that you don't even know and are unaware of there are opportunities even with being the cultural director of uh, the director of culture diversity in NYC I mean I messed that answer up even the <laughs> of cultural diversity and inclusion for NYC Jewelry Week, that happened uh, because of an Instagram post that I made. And so I do know that my Instagram has a lot of people following me, um, but I just don't recognize sometimes that they're paying attention the way that they are paying attention. But there are so many opportunities that have come to me just from Instagram.
1: Mm, That's excellent. I was going to get into social media, but we're already here. So posting on Instagram has brought you in revenue from companies, uh, big players watching, industry professionals, etc., and uh, they know that you've got the credibility. They do a little bit of due diligence on you. Like, oh, he came from here. He did that. He always aligns himself with those people. And then whatever you say, they feel you have the pulse. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. So, so how would you tell a young designer that's getting on Instagram to have the same kind of success as you when they don't have the track record of L.A. Carlyle?
0: Just to be authentic, and one of the things that I I really critique with designers and and brands as a whole is when you use these platforms to sell, 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 and you spend, and I understand when you're brand building and you want to expand, uh, you know, your brand messaging, but you have to remember people connect with people, and so if you leave out the human component and leave out the humanity in your engagement, you're going to miss people every time, because especially in a day when people are oversold to and they're over messaged. I mean, we get we are inundated with messaging and inundated with With product movement and all of that, and so you know people find it very nice when you just talk to them sometimes or when you you give them a little bit of yourself that that's human and something that they can connect to and so I would say that the best way to connect with people is to make sure that you are being human yourself and your engagement and it's something that sometimes is tough because people really have built their uh their their aesthetic around you know messaging as a brand and 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 sometimes it com- becomes a great moment of disruption for them to figure out another way to speak. But if you do that from the beginning, then you will not have to figure it out later. But that is something that even uh, as a consultant, I've been helping companies with because they just don't know how to do that because it's what people haven't thought about for a long time. And I believe that even the way that the algorithm has has shifted over the years, uh, you know, there was a time when maybe that was, was effective, but now that the values of people have shifted and even the disruption during the pandemic, uh, people are really connecting more with value-based messaging and value-based businesses, because that is what people are doing around the world, reassessing their own values and looking at what really matters in life, then you've got to find a way to connect with people where they are and that's where they are.
1: Yeah. Yes. Just be a human, right? I mean, um, just be a human. So who are you following on social media that inspires you? Uh, Can you still get inspired by other people? Who is it?
0: Oh, I do. I get inspired by some of everyone. I'm trying to think that they're, oh my goodness, it's so interesting that you asked that question because I don't have a really, I don't know. <laughs> In point that I'm inspired by, I will say I like, as far as designers, I can say I really like Jerry Lorenzo, and that's because being a person of faith, uh, you know, the whole brand of fear of God is is built around that, and I love um, his messaging. Of course, I love following what uh, Kirby is doing in the industry. Um, I follow Beth Ann Hardison, who posts uh, some of the longest <laughs> the longest captions, but she always gives you thought provoking content. I'm I'm very intellectual, and so I like to uh, follow people who who are thought leaders. I will say that I like. To and follow people who who have something to say and are not just showing. I really don't follow. I don't follow any fashion magazines, Vogue, or none of those things. I really don't uh, care about that content in terms of you know social media. I really do like the messaging, and I believe that social media is just that it is social. So I like people who are having uh, real time conversations, and so those are the the people that I I like to um, engage with. But I will say, uh, fear of God is someone I really in, enjoy um, his posts and and his content and and the
1: brand as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So now we've we got the business going, right? You're on Instagram. You're making your human, uh, transparent, and authentic post. People are recognizing uh, revenue is starting to come in for uh, the brand, Elliot Carlisle. Um, but but tell me about a business resource. Uh, it could be how you process payments. It could be how you send out invoices. What, what's a good business resource that you feel you can you recommend for a young brand? Ooh, I got mm-hmm. you. I got yeah. you there.
0: You did. You did. Um a good business resource. Huh. Well, I would say I still, you know, use PayPal um mm-hmm. a lot my business um to to process uh it, it, yeah, I I still use that. I um Oh my goodness. I'm really I'm really trying to think. What's funny is my the first thing that came to mind when you said that is Zoom because Okay. <laughs> is the thing that I'm on every day. I mean, I, I use it every day, all day, uh, because that's the way that we are unfortunately having to communicate in the world now because we have to social distance and, and everyone's working from home. But, uh, zoom has been the lifeline, uh, for me that, that and, and Microsoft teams for those uh, bigger corporations, of course, are using, uh, Microsoft teams, but, um, that, oh, yeah. that, those are the two, Every day is for me that I'm using all the time that I can't even think of anything outside of that.
1: I love it. Well, I mean, that, uh, those are two great um, recommendations because if you're a young brand, you're not in the corporate world, you may not realize that everyone is doing these Zoom calls and these Zoom meetings. So mm-hmm. maybe today when someone's driving or listening to this podcast, they should say, wait, maybe I should look at my, my um, boutiques and see if I can set up a Zoom call with them uh, based on this yeah. phone, on this podcast. So that's what I want is, Hearing it from different people, it looks in a different light sometimes. And so uh, someone today should go out and book a Zoom call with a potential customer or a past customer that you haven't connected with since March 13th.
0: Yeah, and and now that you say that, I I really think it is good it, because of the video component. It does help for another level of connectivity. I look at, you know, even just the consultations I've been doing and meeting with these companies. And, of course, much of this you say, well, this could easily be conference calls. But I believe that the reason why uh, people want to jump on uh, Zoom is because the video uh, capability allows you to have that next level connectivity and you're able to see people and, you know, to to see the expressions and see the emotions in the conversation, it just it just amplifies the engagement. And so, yeah, and I, I, I will say at first it was very, very taxing um, because I just was like, I don't feel like getting up and getting dressed every day and being on camera. But the effectiveness that it has in terms of, you know, working on projects and uh, engaging your team, it has another level of effectiveness that I I believe should not be replaced uh, with a conference call. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because we said earlier in your intro that you are an established author, um, we always like to get books that people can read to succeed. I'm going to take the first book that you're going to recommend as the Influence Workbook, your book that's now available on Amazon. What is a second book you'd recommend for people to read to succeed,
0: Elliot? The second book I'm going to plug actually is Fern's book, uh, Fashion Icons with Fern Malice, especially for designers who are listening. Well, all industry people, and the reason why that that is is because wherever you're starting out, and these those who are coming into in the industry, you're looking at these gatekeepers. You're looking at these iconic designers. You're looking at the Michael Kors and the 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 Marc Jacobs is in and the Oscar de la Renta and uh, Yves Saint Laurent and uh, I mean Calvin Klein and all of these people, Donna Karen, um, who who have really, really made their mark in the industry to be called a fashion icon, and and many people are trying to figure out how to get to the level of success that they got to, but many people don't know their stories, and I think that if you really took the time to learn their stories and hear about how they built their businesses and hear about some of their strategies, and not just that, even many of their failures, you know, such as Mark Jacobs, one of the things that uh, he talks about in the book is how many times he went bankrupt. People don't even realize Mm. that. Uh, He went bankrupt and had to you know build again he's been able to do it but at the same time like they, they experienced success and failure as well and so I think that uh, many times it's, it's good for you to just hear uh, someone else's story or read someone else's story uh, and, and, and outside of their success or what you deem as their success and that book has uh, 19 she has uh, 19 of the first interviews of um, fashion icons with firm malice and they're incredible stories and I just think that anyone in the fashion industry should have that book as as a resource, and especially for designers, that that is—it's just a go-to. I mean, and it's it's a it's content that you can't even get in textbooks. Whether you went to school and got a fashion uh, degree, um, it's it's content that's very personal. It's their words. Uh, it's their their take. It's their story. Uh, it's you know, it's a personal. It's almost like a, a personal documentary um, about their life. And she walks through their life from birth to where they are at the time that they did the interview. And it, it's a great resource. I mean, I wish that I um, when I was in school. I didn't get the book until uh, the book didn't come out until I graduated. But I always said, had I had this book when I was in school, it would certainly have made some of my reports easier.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Influence Workbook by Elliot Carlyle and Fashion Icons with Firm Malice. Uh, Those are the books. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) when you talk about being younger, I'm going to ask this question then. Let's take you back Mm -hmm. to little little young Elliot. Maybe when you're winning the first Mm -hmm. award for best dress. I don't know. But go back to little Elliot. And if you're gonna give little Elliot some advice to make it to your current level of success much faster, what would that advice be?
0: Always know your worth.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm.
0: I will say that that was from that was from music over to fashion. That has not changed. And when I when I say that, what I mean is no Know your worth in terms of what you do. Know, do your research on the cost of things. Do do your research on what people are getting paid for what they're what they are doing. This is a little different for and well, no, this goes for designers too. You need to know pricing. You need to know retail strategy. You know, know how to price your garments, but you really do need to know the finances of your industry uh, for yourself and for others and and that will definitely streamline your movement a little bit i will say one of the things that i often reflect on i don't have any regret about it but i do i do reflect on how much money i've lost mm-hmm. <laughs> or how much money i consider over the years because i just didn't do the research, um, you know, I was always very, very work focused. So I just, I, I engaged the opportunities. Uh, you know, I accepted, you know, offers without ever um, researching many times as to is this even industry standard? Is this even, you know, appropriate or based on my experience? Is this the going rate or based on because I have a degree? Is this what I should be getting paid? And I will tell you that, um, you know, I have, I can, I can honestly say, I, I did lose out. Um, or I missed. I won't say lost, but I missed. on on a lot of uh, financial opportunity because I did not necessarily do that particular research. You can't get me that way now.
1: (laughs) uh, Um, I I, I love that. I I can't Mm -hmm. believe how many parallels uh, you and I have had. So um, only a few people know this. I don't think I've even told my team, but over the summer during the pandemic, I was approached by a large corporation and they wanted me in effect to become CEO of of the corporation. And uh, it was very humbling um, but also it it was it was weird because I was in the pandemic. I was really getting used to this new thing, which was again you know building some things I wanted to really do finally um i'm in the midst of writing my first book, and those kinds of things, and I really liked the time off. I really liked being able to think and just really slow down again and then they were coming with uh, this this great offer uh, to become CEO, which you know i haven't worked in a corporation for a really long time, and so uh, what I did was, and maybe you did this too. I actually just called a headhunter and did a reverse valuation. And I said, here's what I've done in my career. Um, If you're going to help me get a job, what should I be asking? And it was mind blowing what i learned, mind blowing how she valued what I've already built. And you just forget what you've already done in your life. And that's exactly what you just said. I really got the true value and the true value of what they were offering me, which sounded amazing in the pandemic without the true valuation of me, Brian, Right. And when I went back to him, um, I had to decline the offer, not for just that one reason, but because I was even more blown away by what I really have left on the table that is now going to be gotten.
0: Yes. 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 That is so powerful, Brian. And And it really is a thing, and especially it's interesting to me that you mentioned that uh, this happened during the pandemic because oftentimes when there's a, a sense of desperation in the air, uh, you know, you you will accept things. And so it, those are the greatest times when you have to just pause and say, let me look at this, you know?
1: Sure, sure, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I didn't know you before the pandemic. I only know you as this uh, new brand, you know, and you've been amazing your entire life, uh, no question. But it's, it's just funny, you know, and you, you meet people in seasons and the season that I'm in with you right now, I've only known you like this as uh, this brand. And, um, you know, you're just not missing a beat, man. You're just really, again, uh, the juggernaut. If you want to put that down as your new nickname, you can do that, too.
0: OK, <laughs> well, I was you know hearing you say that it it, i'm very humbled by that and thank you and it's a it's a pleasure uh to be connected to you in this way but i will say that uh one of the things that i uh my one of my best friends uh, said to me and i've been knowing her since i was uh in sixth grade and so she's seen me she's seen all of it happen with me but she was visiting me in new york uh this was want to say 2018 Martin her birthday is the day before mine Um, but she was visiting me for her birthday uh, or our birthday and she was at the office this day with me and I was doing a podcast interview and I don't remember the question uh, that that was asked but it was something about uh, when you were building your brand you know from from start to now, or how, what did you learn, or what do you know about branding now that you're here, or what would you go back and do differently with your brand? And she was in the background, and she ended up speaking out loud. Uh, It didn't get recorded on the podcast, but she said something and triggered me, but she said, well, you were building your brand before you knew you were building your brand, (laughs) and part about that is I was never let me tell you this I never thought I was building a brand that was not because I did not know what branding was like this is something I started doing intentionally uh maybe I would say 2012 up but before that uh, I never even had a website you didn't know me then but I didn't have a website I didn't have this presence that I have now my former business partner at the time he did graphic design web design and this and he did brand strategy this is what he was doing I was doing PR he did he was doing the brand strategy part and he kept saying to me Elliot you have a brand you need to build a platform you need to build a website this is the stuff that I do like you need to have all of this and I would say I don't need that I don't Mm. need that that's do I don't it doesn't it doesn't it's not necessary for me like I'm doing the work I'm doing the work I mean for a long time and it's so funny I said we're still in touch to this day he lives in LA now but the last time that we talked he said it is so amazing to me to see how you're presenting yourself and what you're doing now because I remember there was a time I couldn't pay you to be, get a logo I couldn't even pay you to build a website and he offered to do all of that for me and I and I literally my response was that's not necessary for me I don't need that you need that and the people who are getting that, they need that. But my work is speaking for me. That is literally what my answer was. And so all of this that you're seeing is only really from 2012 and on.
1: Wow. Wow. Why should people rewire in 2021? And how can people find you?
0: Why should they? Because it's an opportunity for you to engage in what is next. We have seen all industry be upset. We have seen all industry have to shift whether they were welcome to it or not. And at the greatest time of shifting, you get to decide how you want to be positioned. And so, you know, nobody has the answer. Nobody knows, you know, where we're going to be in the next, the next year, the next three to five years. And so while there is this, this opportunity for you to put yourself in place and create your own trajectory or to reform your world or to rewire your world, take advantage of the opportunity. These kinds of shifts only happen every so often. And, and I say, uh, you know, in the upset, step up and cause an upset, you know, mm-hmm. that is just, it's, You to do that and so i would say take advantage of the setup and as far as how people can reach me they can uh you know send me a dm on instagram that seems to be uh, most quick uh, most quickly for the answer for people but also you can visit my website which has all of my extensions and all of my uh programs information and the information about my book is there but my website is www.elliotcarlisle.net not.com.net uh and then connect with me there. There's a contact form. Those who would like coaching, they can read about my coaching there and also schedule a 20-minute free consultation where we will go through and I will hear from you and I will respond. Uh, and also those who are interested in consulting, uh, whether it's a company or a, or a personal uh, brand, I do do consulting and their information is there about my consulting services. And uh, you can actually fill out a form there to request that. So everything is on my website and I am very active on social media via uh, Instagram and Twitter. Most uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's all there and I'm available.
1: <laughs> That's sick. As always on Fashion Rewired, you can upload a free blueprint of Elliot Carlisle. All you got to do is follow his one, two, three acting steps or just be inspired by what he's already done and then try to apply it to your brand. All you have to do is DM me at Fashion Rewired on Instagram and you get the free blueprint for Elliot Carlisle. Elliot, how was today for you? the day was amazing Brian I I mean it's it's right it's
0: just right for the moment and and the energy uh, that you bring always I mean you've been consistent since day one and I appreciate what you do I appreciate your passion I appreciate uh, your service in what you do and I'm very glad that you have this platform where people can not just come and be educated but they can also be empowered this is not just about their business but there's this is also their life and I'm very glad that that is your heartbeat and in any way that I and support you. I'm happy to do it. I appreciate your friendship, your allyship, your colleagueship, <laughs> um, all of it. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see you evolve and, and grow as well.
1: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Fashion Rewired, the podcast, and we're out. Thank you for joining us for our weekly 30 minute podcast focused on the business of fashion.
0: Fashion Rewired is all about the successful transformation of your mind, perspective, and daily approach to your fashion brand. Make sure you listen next week for the Fashion Rewired podcast with Brian Hill.